Hey folks, Andy Patton here. It sounds like Drew Timmy is on his way out the door. We have a lot of discussion about what that means and how the Zags are going to adjust, as well as a myriad of other topics for Mailbag Monday right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I also want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen every day. I sincerely appreciate those of you who are powering through with me during the offseason. It's still a five-day-per-week podcast And I appreciate those of you who continue to check it out. And of course, those of you who have checked the show out on YouTube, we are shooting for a thousand subscribers for the start of the 22-23 season. We're over halfway there. Very confident we can get there. But I need you, if you are a listener to the show and you have yet to do so, please go to YouTube.com, search Locked On Zags, and hit that subscribe button. I sincerely appreciate it. Today is Mailbag Monday. A reminder for those of you who would like to get involved in Mailbag Monday, there are multiple ways you can do so. You can tweet at me, at ScoreZagScore, or at LockedOnZags whenever you are thinking of a question. It helps if you tag it Mailbag Monday, but either way, I will likely put it into my notes and get it ready for Monday's show. I also reach out on Twitter uh, on Sunday mornings soliciting questions. You can respond to that tweet and be sure that you will get into the show. And finally, you can email me. AndyPatton013 at gmail.com. Many of you use that as a way to ask multiple questions uh, or to ask questions throughout the week if you as you think of them instead of having to find me on Twitter. Uh, very, very acceptable way to get your questions answered on here as well. All right, segment one, we're answering mostly Drew Timmy-related questions. This first one comes from John via Gmail. John says, does the farewell note from Drew Timmy declaring for the NBA draft change your mind at all as to whether he comes back? I know he didn't sign an agent and can return, but my guess is if a team during the process suggests that they would be willing to give him a guaranteed contract as a second round pick, he would be gone. Uh, so Drew Timmy did sign with an agent uh, to clarify that comment. He did not sign with, there are agents that are NCAA approved that you can sign with that do not hurt your eligibility. That is who he signed with. He signed with an agent that is NCAA approved. So he does still have the ability to return to Gonzaga should he choose to do that. So I want to clarify that really quickly. Having said that, uh, does this change my opinion? Yes, absolutely. This is a significant flip for me. I was feeling 60, 70% sure that he was going to come back. Now I'm thinking there's about an 85 to 90% chance that he is leaving. Uh, His message did not leave a lot of Uh, room for interpretation there. Obviously, the fact that he has hired an agent that allows him to still return to school is some level of optimism for those who want to see him return. But I think he's, he's, he's likely feeling like his college career has run its course and he would like to check out professional avenues. Uh, so that is my expectation is that he is quite likely going to be gone, even if he doesn't hear as much positive stuff from NBA scouts as he'd like to hear. There are still tons of great avenues to find success playing professional basketball, whether it's in the G League, whether it's overseas, uh, whether he gets a two-way contract as opposed to being drafted and guaranteed a roster spot. Uh, We will see. I'm I'm very fascinated to see how this kind of goes for Drew Timmy through this process, Uh, but I would be pretty surprised, quite surprised, frankly, if he ends up back in a Gonzaga uniform next season. 
Next question comes from Darren at HeavyDo44 on Twitter, who says, now that it is pretty clear we could use a big, who is the most likely transfer to come in? This is a great question, and obviously I'm not, you know, on the coaching staff. I don't know everybody that they have talked to. I don't know how those players have responded to those conversations, so it's very hard for me to give a, a concrete answer to this question. I don't know exactly how all those conversations have gone. The two big men who have come up the most in conversation are Daz Amak out of Utah Valley and Johnny Broom from Moorhead State. Uh, those are the two names that I am keeping the closest eye on. Amak in particular, I wrote about at Zagaholic uh, a couple weeks ago. He was on Gonzaga's list initially, then he was off Gonzaga's list, and then he was back on Gonzaga's list. Uh, I have some sources indicating that this, there's a lot of conversation between these two sides, between Gonzaga and Amak. Obviously, him adding them back onto his list is a very good sign that he is pretty interested in the program. I, I suspect he may have had an inkling that Drew Timmy was going to leave or been told that by somebody, which is why he is considering Gonzaga again. Uh, 19 points, 14 rebounds, three blocks per game for Utah Valley. Very, very talented player. Can also shoot it from the outside. Johnny Broom, extremely talented young man from Moorhead State, getting interest from Auburn and Texas and Texas Tech and a ton of other really high-level programs. Either of those two, two guys would substantially change the outlook for this Gonzaga team heading into next season. Next question comes from Jacob Quarter 2 on Twitter, who says, When looking at our situation at the 4 and the 5, which option should we go with? Get two big men to pair with Anton in the portal, or get one in the portal to start with Anton and have either Greg or Perry be the third big man, with the other being the fourth big man. Yeah, I, they're not going to add two big men via the transfer portal. That would be very, very surprising. The only way that that would happen is if they had somebody else transfer out. Keep in mind, this is not including Braden Huff, a four-star incoming recruit who is going to fight for playing time. He's not coming here to immediately redshirt to sit out for an entire year. He's coming in with the intention to play right away. So if they added two players, you'd have two transfers, Anton Watson, Caden Perry, Ben Gregg, and Braden Huff. That's too many big men. Somebody would leave. I think it would be it, it would be frustrating for the younger guys. I think they would probably feel a little bit cheated if the Zags added two front court players. I just don't see it happening. I think they're going to add one. And I think they're going to, depending on who comes in, too, if they bring in a player who's a little bit more like Watson, I could see them trying to figure out a way to, to let Ben or Caden Perry compete for a starting spot. I, I don't know that those guys are necessarily ready for that right now, but there's a lot of offseason between now and the start of the season. So those guys could get an opportunity to compete for that kind of role. But ultimately, my suspicion is that there will be a grad transfer, or not grad transfer, a transfer starting for Gonzaga next year alongside Anton Watson, and Huff and Greg and Perry will all compete for minutes in those backup spots. Next question comes from John via Gmail on that same note. He says, when the roster is finalized later in the year, how many transfers do you think we get? What position do you think they will be? And do you think they will be brought in to start or for depth off the bench? Again, obviously hard for me to know 100% right now. It depends on if there's other movement on the roster. At this point, we don't know conclusively what is going on with Julian Strother, what is going on with Hunter Salas, what is going on with Nolan Hickman. The expectation that I have and that I believe most of Gonzaga fans have is that those three players are all returning, but it is not a foregone conclusion. Beyond that, there are other players who could opt to enter their name into the transfer portal or decide to leave school or, or whatever. Like there's a lot. It's April... 
10th as I'm recording this, April 11th as you're listening to this most likely. So there's a lot of time between now and uh, late October when the season starts. Uh, Having said that, my expectation, I don't want to give a complete non-answer to this question. My expectation is they will bring in two transfers. They will bring in one big man, and I believe they are gunning for a big man who will start. Uh, again, Amac would be in that conversation. Broom would be. Those guys are going to. If those, if either of those two players are in a Gonzaga uniform, they are almost certainly starting next season. It would be very surprising if they were not. And if they don't get either of those guys, they're going to continue to hunt for a player who can come in and immediately start on this roster. The guard, I think they're probably not as inclined to find a guard who is necessarily going to start right away. I've talked about this before on this show and on Twitter, like. They're going to go try to find the best dang player that they can find. I don't think that they're necessarily going to go out there and and say, well, that guy's too good to come to Gonzaga. That, that's not the conversation they're having. They're obviously looking for players who fit, who are willing to come in and compete for a role, who are not expecting to be gifted a starting spot in 30 minutes per night. Uh, this is the way that Mark Few has always operated. He wants to find guys who are who are dogs, who are going to fight for playing time, who are not just expecting something to be handed to him. If that means he gets a guy who's more likely to be a fourth guard behind Hunter Salas, Dominic Harris, Nolan Hickman, then great. Gonzaga has found fourth guards on the transfer portal before, and it has worked extremely well. Aaron Cook, a very recent notable example of that. Obviously, Gino Crandall is one of the most famous kind of first examples of that as well. So my guess would be a starting big and a fourth guard, but there's a lot of things that could change between now and the start of the season. All right, we are going to come back in the second segment. We got more listener submitted questions to answer. We're talking Mark Few, we're talking coaching rotations, we're talking scheduling. But before we get to that, I want to tell you all about Bill Bar. This is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Bilt.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two. Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still hammering through Mailbag Monday. Listener submitted questions all episode long. This first question of the second segment comes from Jacob Quarter 2 on Twitter, who says, with players like Anton and Perry with past injuries, what do you think Coach Few should do with the rotation next year? Expand and develop, roll with a lineup similar to North Carolina, or something in between? Again, we don't know what the roster is going to look like yet. That is kind of makes it a little bit more challenging to answer this question. Obviously, if they get a high-level big man like Amac or like Broom, we'll use them as examples. Those guys are going to play 30-plus minutes per night, most likely. Uh, I have advocated for Mark Few expanding the rotation on this podcast a handful of times, and I will continue to do so. I don't think that it's something a lot of people point to it as a perhaps a reason that they lose because they get gassed at the end of the season. I think that there's probably some fatigue things that are an issue at the end of the season, but I don't think that, you know, 
like to use an example from the 2021-22 season, I don't think that Julian Strother playing a few more minutes earlier uh, in the regular season would have meant that Corey Kispert would have been less gassed during the conference turn or during the tournament, which then would have meant that Gonzaga would have beat Baylor. Like I don't, I I can't, that's a lot of hoops to jump through to get to that. Uh, You could make a similar argument this year of, had they played Nolan Hickman more in February, would Andrew Nembhard have not had such a bad game? I don't, it's hard for me to correlate those things necessarily, but I will say that there is a pattern of Gonzaga's players seeming to be a little bit fatigued towards the end of the year. And I think that perhaps opening up the rotation, playing nine or 10 guys, or just even if it stays an eight-man rotation, but those guys play more minutes, I think there's there's a possibility that that would be something that would help. And with this roster, depending on how much you're ex- you're expecting from Anton and Caden Perry, I don't think it's a bad idea to have plenty of options in the front court. We discussed if they bring in a if they do bring in a transfer, they're going to have five guys for four, really three spots based on how Mark Few has run his rotations in the past. So it would be nice to see a little bit more spreading the wealth uh, in that front court in particular to kind of keep guys a little bit healthy and fresher. But Mark Few has been resistant to do that in the past, and he's won a lot of basketball games at the collegiate level. So I'm not going to be shocked if we don't see much in terms of changing the way that he does his rotations uh, going forward. Next up, this question comes from Mark at Motorhead on Twitter. He says, as much as I love the WCC, I'm starting to think that going independent may be the way forward for us. I believe we should, we could schedule a pretty strong schedule across the nation, keep all the money for ourselves, and always come back or join another conference if it didn't work out. I don't believe there have ever been any D1 independent teams in college basketball. Is this possible, and what am I missing? So there have been D1. It's it's there have been independent D1 college basketball teams. It's very rare. It's usually teams that are transitioning from D2 to D1, and they're just waiting to find themselves a conference that will take them. Uh, is this possible for Gonzaga? It it's really not feasible to be like yes, in theory it's possible, but I don't see how it works. For starters, you can't go independent in every sport, so your other sports would have to have a landing spot. The WCC is not going to just say, yeah, you can keep all of your other sports here and just leave with the only sport that makes money. Like they're not, the WCC is not going to let them do that. I I think they would, I mean, that would be a very quick decision for them. They say you either keep all your teams here or all of your teams are gone. And so in that case, Gonzaga has to figure out what to do with every other sport in their athletic department, their baseball teams, their soccer teams, volleyball, track and field, et cetera, et cetera, all the rest of their sports. And I don't know who would take them. The Mountain West is not going to be interested in taking on a bunch of other sports, adding a bunch of travel to their team that aren't bringing them any money. Most conferences only want Gonzaga if they're going to bring the basketball program. I think you could make an argument that a a conference like the Big Sky would probably say yes because most of those programs are going to elevate the Big Sky. But if the other coaches at Gonzaga were told, hey, we're taking our basketball teams independent and all of you are now competing in the Big Sky instead of the WCC, there would be a mutiny a mutiny. I'm not trying to disrespect the big sky, but it would not go over well. If the if Gonzaga was going to go to the Big East and the rest of the sports had to go to the big sky, I think maybe you could get some of those coaches on board a little bit. But just to go independent and say all the rest of our sports are now going to suffer, their level of competition is going to go down because our basketball team wants to play wants to go independent. I just, I don't think it's going to work. Beyond that, scheduling for football, like Notre Dame going independent, they have to schedule 12, 15 games a season. Gonzaga have to schedule like 35. They're 30. It's really, really hard. And once you get into conference play, trying to find teams that'll play you, it would be an absolute nightmare. 
So no, I don't think that this is feasible. I don't think that it works for Gonzaga. I don't think it works for any D1 team at the collegiate level. I, I just, I don't think that it's a reasonable option. If Gonzaga is going to leave the WCC, uh, there are a lot of hurdles that need to be cleared uh, f- for any conference. Uh, the Big East is obviously what has been discussed in recent uh, recent weeks, um, but there's a ton that would need to be figured out before that could even happen. Next question comes from Christian via Gmail. Christian says, I was listening to the Ion College Basketball podcast, and they were discussing Kansas and their recent championship. The discussion dovetailed into a potential recipe for a team to create a championship window. The factors that were addressed were five-star recruits or high-level recruits, utilizing the transfer portal and a few veteran players who can embody program culture and provide leadership. It feels like the Zags have been in and still are in this window. What element or variable do you think is most important, and are there other factors you would add? Yeah, shout out Ion College Basketball Podcast, Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander. Very excellent show. Uh, in terms of this this question, I think, yes, Gonzaga is still in that window, has been in that window for a while. Uh, and in terms of most important, that's a really hard question to answer. I think right now the transfer portal and the high-level recruits are kind of in tandem with each other. You really can't have one without the other. Historically, I would say recruiting. Recruiting is the number one thing. You have to get talented players into your program without a doubt. But now when you can scour the transfer portal, you can get guys who don't have to sit out a year. You can bring them in right away. It's just as important. Like Gonzaga is going to replace huge pieces of their roster. They're going to replace Chad Holmgren and Drew Timmy with transfer portal. Like they're going to get a a guy who's going to help. Obviously, Braden Huff is a recruit that they're bringing in to help with that as well. But they're supplementing a lot of their talent via the transfer portal. I do think that the... Having program culture guys definitely helps as well. I think it's below the other two things, but I kind of think those two things are tied. Transfer portal and recruiting are kind of tied. Program culture is a little bit below that. Things I would add, obviously coaching. (laughs) I don't know how much they talked about that, but having a good coach who can make in-game adjustments, uh, who has a good plan in place. Mark Few's in-game adjustments has been questionable in the past, but the actual plan that they go into the game, the pace and everything that they run is exceptional and has been exceptional for over 20 years. Uh, And then beyond that, uh, financial backing from boosters, you need money. (laughs) And that kind of helps with everything in some capacity. But those would be the only things that I would kind of add is money, money for your program, good coaching, as well as everything that uh, Parrish and Norlander discussed it in their episode. Next question comes from Jacob Quarter 2 on Twitter, who says, Mark Few is a top blank coach in college basketball. Top 10, top 10 without a doubt in my mind. I think you can make a very reasonable argument that he is top five. The lack of a championship is obviously something that will be held against him and reasonably should be held against him. Uh, Again, I I think that people trashing Gonzaga for not winning a championship are usually just being haters, uh, but it is hard to argue for him being a top five coach in the league when he has yet to win a championship. But there's no way you could find me 10 coaches that are better than him. So I think he probably lands six, seven, somewhere in there. I haven't done a full on breakdown. We're definitely going to have more coaching conversations throughout the offseason. But uh, I, I think it's tough to find him in the top five, but impossible to not find him in the top 10. Next question, final one of this segment, another one from Christian. Christian says, I just received my copy of Making History, Gonzaga Basketball's remarkable 16-17 season. What struck me in addition to the beautiful pictures of the unfolding of that great season was how deep that team was. What team is the deepest in the Mark Few era? So I have two down on my list. The 16-17 team, as you mentioned, obviously, uh, super, super deep. Really hard to argue against that team. Starting lineup, Shemek Karnowski, Jonathan Williams, Jordan Matthews, 
Josh Perkins and Nigel Williams-Goss, really, really good starting five. And then the bench on that team is ridiculous. Zach Collins, Killian Tilly, both NBA players right now. Jeremy Jones and Silas Melson both played big roles. Brian Alberts played a big role. And also deep on the bench, they had a guy named Rui, who is also an NBA player. He played very little that season, but he was on that team. They also technically had Zach Norvell, but he was a redshirt, so he doesn't really count. But just looking at the roster, that is a really stacked team. However, I think I might lean with the 2018-2019 team, that team that unfortunately lost to Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. That team was mega stacked. Starting lineup, Brandon Clark, Rui Hachimura, Corey Kispert, Zach Norvell, Josh Perkins. That's three current NBA players, a brief NBA player in Norvell, and a very, very good EuroLeague player in Josh Perkins. Uh, off the bench, you have Philip Petrusev, who is a, going to be an NBA player this upcoming season, most likely. Killian Tilly, Joel Ayayi, both NBA players, also Jeremy Jones. And then you had Gino Crandall and Greg Foster as reserve guards as well. Very, very deep teams. There are other teams in this conversation as well. The 12-13 team was very, very deep. Uh, obviously, the, these past two seasons, both those rosters were very, very deep as well. Uh, but I think, you, for me, you're picking between 16-17 or 18-19 for the deepest team in Gonzaga history. All right, two segments down. We're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to answer even more listener-submitted questions. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. The 2022 NCAA tournament is in the books with a win secured by Bill Self and the Jayhawks of Kansas. While the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's pinnacle week, that does not mean fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Heck, they even have lines on a fight between Will Smith and Chris Rock, should you be so inclined. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment three. Still Andy Patton, still Locked On Zags, still going through listener-submitted questions for Mailbag Monday. This first question of this segment comes from Dad Risk on Twitter, who says, What is more likely, Gonzaga is the number one overall seed on Selection Sunday next year, or Gonzaga is a sixth seed on Selection Sunday next year? Wow, that is sixth seed. Was the last time Gonzaga was a sixth or lower seed? Was it 20... 16? I think it must have been 2016 when they were an 11 seed uh, that year with DeMontis Sabonis, Kyle Wiltshire, Eric McClellan, and of course they went all the way to the Sweet 16 that year. Uh, obviously we don't know the entirety of the roster, but I think having any level of concern that they could fall all the way down to a 6 seed feels pretty ludicrous to me. Uh, this team is going to start two 5-star guards next year, and Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman, those two guys are really, really good. Gonzaga hasn't had a lot of years in their history where their two guards were five stars. And the recruiting numbers don't necessarily tell the whole picture. Josh Perkins and Nigel Williams-Goss were not both five-star guards, but that doesn't mean that wasn't an elite backcourt. But the expectation that Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas aren't going to be one of the best backcourts in the country is is incorrect. I think they're going to be really, really good. Dominic Harris, is, if he comes back healthy, is going to be a fantastic piece as well. I expect Julian Strother is likely coming back. Yeah, the front court has some mystery at this point. There's no doubt about that. But I 
I trust Mark Few and their staff completely to find a high-level big on the transfer portal. We've already talked at, at length in today's episode about Broom and AMAC, two guys who Gonzaga is heavily in on. If they get one of those two guys, you have a high-level starter on the front court. You have two very good forwards in Watson and Strother. You have two five-star guards. You have a guy like Dominic Harris coming off the bench. Like You have Ben Gregg and Caden Perry, who admittedly have some growth to still do. You have a four-star guy coming in in Braden Huff. I'm not very—I I wouldn't come out and say that team is surefire very likely going to be the number one overall seed. That's that's a tough tale. <laughs> that's a tall, tall ask for them to get there, but it's not a six seed either. So I think they're more likely to be the number one overall seed. I think that, you know, if you asked me this question again in July and they never landed a big a big player in the transfer portal uh, and maybe Julian Strother declared for the NBA, then, then maybe we're having a different conversation. But at this point, without knowing very much, I'm more inclined to believe that they're going to add the requisite pieces to make this roster a championship-level contender again next season. Next question comes from Christian via Gmail. Christian says... What do you think it'll take for the Zags to host a regional? Winning the WCC, a target record. They have a big game against Oregon State, ranked in the top five in the nation. Does the non-conference strength of schedule play as big a part as it does in basketball? So yeah, this is obviously a question about the baseball team. Uh, winning the WCC would be a huge help in their quest to host a regional. If they do not do that, I think that they're... Ch- I, I'm not an expert on this. Uh, baseball seeding and, and regional hosting is something I'm not as familiar with. Uh, but I would think if they did not win the WCC that their odds of hosting a regional would plummet pretty significantly. Uh, in terms of non-conference, it's not nearly as big of a deal. Baseball is interesting. They have these Tuesday games. I've talked about them a few times on the show. Uh, every Almost every week, teams play a Tuesday game. It's a, it's a non-conference game for the most part. Uh, it's just kind of a game in between their weekend series. They'll play three games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, off Monday, play a game on Tuesday, off Wednesday, Thursday, and then play their three-game series again. Tuesday games, you know, the, the teams have three starting pitchers that are kind of built into the rotation Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Tuesday starters are usually a young freshman who's competing for a spot the next season or maybe a a reliever who's just got a chance to start a game. So those games kind of go in a lot of different directions, like Portland nearly beat Oregon State a few weeks ago on a Tuesday. These games are just a little bit more chaotic, a little bit more of a crapshoot, so they don't get counted against. Like if, if Gonzaga beats Oregon State, it's a good win. Don't get me wrong, and it's not going to hurt them. It is going to help them, just not nearly as much as like, you know, in basketball, you can pick up you know, if you pick up one really big win in the middle of your season against a top ranked team. Like your odds of making the NCAA tournament go up significantly. Baseball has a lot more games, about twice as many games as they play than basketball. So one big win over a non-conference opponent like that, especially if it's a Tuesday game when Oregon State started their fifth or sixth best pitcher, it just doesn't mean as much. It just doesn't mean as much. Hope they win. <laughs> I think it's still it's, it's it certainly doesn't help them if they lose. Uh, but I think that their path to hosting a regional is far more about winning the WCC than it is about anything else. Next question comes from at Zags in the NBA on Twitter. If you don't follow that account, is a great resource for all things going on with those Zags in the NBA. He says there are currently eight Zags playing in the NBA. How many do you think will be on a roster next year? So it kind of depends on whether this question is like on a roster throughout the year or just like will play in an NBA game next year. If it's that, if that is a question, I'm going to say 11. So the eight that we're counting as already having played are DeMontis Sabonis, Kelly Olenek, Rui Hachimura, Corey Kispert, Zach Collins, Brandon Clark, Killian Tilly, Jalen Suggs. Those eight guys are all under contract for next season. They will play in the NBA next year, barring obviously season-ending injuries. 
So that's eight right there. Chet Holmgren, nine. No debate there. Uh, he will play in the NBA next season. And then I think two more. And I think there's a couple combinations that it could be. I think Joel Iyayi is certainly one who could likely be in that conversation. He was on a two-way contract for most of this season, uh, played in a handful of NBA games. I think he'll get a good chance next year. I think Drew Timmy is very possibly going to play in the NBA next season. I don't know if he will get a full contract, if he will be a two-way guy, if he will just get you know a handful of 10-day contracts throughout the season, whatever it may be. Uh, other candidates, Andrew Nembhard could get a sniff in the NBA. Uh, I think Kevin Pangos, if he decided to come back and didn't sign in, in Europe, he could maybe get a sniff in the NBA. Zach Norvell, Ryan Woolridge, Josh Perkins, a handful of other guys, Jonathan Williams, who have played in the NBA or have played in the G League at least, uh, who could in theory get a sniff from the NBA. So, so there's a lot of guys that could be in that conversation. I'm going to stick with my guess of 11 because I think that that's a reasonable kind of middle ground for what it could end up being, but it wouldn't shock me if it was 12 or even 13. It also wouldn't shock me if it was just 10 as well. Next question from not Guy Fieri at Brent 6715597779 on Twitter. Can't promise I'm going to read that Twitter account too many more times, my friend. Uh, but he says, what is GU's edge when considering NIL and how we're already seeing top prospects seemingly give up playing time to flock towards the likes of Duke, Arkansas, and a bevy of other big markets? Is this a big fish in a small pond sell with Spokane, or do we go even more transfer heavy? So I'm, I don't necessarily buy the, the argument in the question. Uh, I don't think that's why these recruits were, I don't think NIL had anything to do with why Anthony Black and some of the other recruits didn't come to Gonzaga. I think, in fact, they the lack of playing time was the reasoning. So you kind of mentioned like they were giving up playing time to go somewhere else. I think it was the opposite. I think Anthony Black looked at this roster, looked at Dominic Harris, looked at uh, Hunter Salas, looked at Nolan Hickman, looked at Julian Throther and thought, I'm not sure how much I'm going to play. And I want maybe he wants to be a one and done. Maybe he just doesn't want to come into a situation where he has to fight really hard for playing time. Sky Clark, kind of a similar situation where he maybe opted to not go to a school where there's already three really established guards. Uh, so I, I don't think that that has a huge role. Drew Timmy made a lot of money, a lot of money at Gonzaga through NIL last year. A lot of money. I don't think that Gonzaga has any disadvantage in that regard. They have proven that they can get guys on national deals with like T-Mobile. That's where, or Boost Mobile's where T where Drew Timmy was. He obviously had a deal with the casino as well. Uh, he had a deal with Dollar Shave Club as well. Like those are, with the exception of the casino, those are national brands. Like there's nothing that has, Gonzaga has not been stopped from getting their players to sign with national brands at all. It hasn't slowed them down one bit. Obviously, Spokane is smaller than the bigger, you know, it's a small, Gonzaga is a smaller school, Spokane's a smaller town than a lot of the other college towns, but I don't think that it is impacting them from an NIL perspective. In fact, I think Gonzaga might have some advantages in some ways with the way that they can get creative and, and get guys in who are going to start making some money. So I don't buy that that NIL had a, had an impact on a couple of a, just a few five-star guys choosing not to come to Gonzaga. I don't think that those things are, are necessarily related. Next question, final one of the show from Christian. Christian says, what are we fans of? Players, coaches, our memories, our hometown, our university? I was talking to someone who suggested it is often the facets that do not directly impact a sport that can draw us to a particular team and keep us loyal to them. Player personalities, etc. Drew Timmy chatting it up with opposing players. Rasir Bolton helping out in the Spokane community. Players returning after their professional careers are over to live in the area. Is there some nostalgia to this or is this just, or is this truth? 
Yeah, I think with Gonzaga specifically, I mean, I can't speak to every fandom out there in every sport, certainly, but with Gonzaga, it's a lot of fans who are connected because they are alumni, because they have friends or family who are alumni, because they live in Spokane. Uh, they can connect with other fans, other family members who are, you know, who, who live and breathe the Gonzaga basketball program as well. Uh, college athletics just has a different level. Uh, than other than professional sports. Professional sports, obviously, you can grow up a fan of that team. You know, you got a you got a onesie for the Portland Trailblazers when you're nine months old. You grow up rooting for the Blazers. The players change, but you just stick with that fandom because you're local to that area. Your dad was a fan of that team. You know, whatever your story may be. With college athletics, I think a lot of the time it's because you're an alumni and your connection to the fan. You know, your connection to the fandom is so much deeper. If you are a legitimate alumni of the program, and that doesn't mean that people who are not alumni, I know many of you who are listening have told me your stories. You became a fan of Gonzaga for whatever reason. Maybe you're not affiliated with the school at all. And I'm not saying that your fandom doesn't count. It's very legitimate and very intense and very loyal and and appreciated. But I, I think that for a lot of fans, certainly that connection makes you feel closer to the school than you might in a professional sports setting. I also think that uh, it's it's very unique for a, a school like Gonzaga, which is much smaller. Like state schools obviously kind of have the advantage where people who just live in that state tend to root for that team, regardless of whether they went there. Actually, I wanted to share a uh, to, to close out the show. I wanted to share, share an interaction I had on Twitter uh, last season or maybe the season before that where I had a fan who was just absolutely dragging Jalen Suggs for no very obvious reason. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Thought that, oh, they're going to lose in the Sweet 16. All that same crap that we see on Twitter all the time. But I responded to this person because he'd followed me for years and I was kind of confused why he was saying that. And basically the conclusion he came to was he said, hey, I, I get frustrated because it seems like there's so many people who are fans of Gonzaga, but who didn't actually go to the school. And that makes it frustrating. And I responded to him and I said, did you go to UW? And he blocked me. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know exactly what the end of that story was specifically, but I do think that you start to see some of those uh, People try to gatekeep fandom a lot of the time, and I do not care if you went to Gonzaga, if your family went to Gonzaga, if you have never been to Spokane in your entire life and you picked the school because you like the uniform color. I do not care in the slightest if you are a fan of the program. That is fantastic. Everybody has their own story. That's one of my favorite things about sports fandom in general. It is also something that's kind of why I saved this question for the end, not just to tell that story, but also because I want to get more fandom onto the podcast. This was something that the previous host of the show, Stephen Carr, did an excellent job of of sharing fan stories. I believe he did it on Fridays. Now that we're in the offseason, I started, you know, in late October, so it was just go, go, go with in-season content. Now that we're in the offseason, I want to start being able to share more fan stories and kind of have some of that kind of camaraderie and enjoyment of each other's fandoms. So it's something to look forward to as we get further and further into the offseason. All right, that is going to do it for me today. We got a Zags in the NBA wrap-up episode coming your way on Tuesday, as well as more season in review episodes, one all about Drew Timmy, coming up this week right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you to those of you who've made Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Now's a great time to make your second listen, the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. With college basketball season wrapped up, give Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!